You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Charles Mingus's The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. In the room, I have John, Shalom, Charles, Wello. and Ben. <sighs> the Black Saint and the Sinner Lady is a studio album by American jazz composer and musician Charles Mingus, rele- released on Impulse Records in 1963. It was produced by Bob Thiele. Uh, the genre is avant-garde jazz, third stream, and experimental uh, big band. Considered one of the great technical achievements of orchestrated jazz, The Black Saint and The Sinner Lady stands as a testament to Charles Mingus's innovation and determination to create a magnum opus. The album consists of a single continuous composition, partially written as a ballet, divided into four tracks and six movements. Using an 11-piece band, Mingus's perfectionism led to extensive use of studio overdubbing techniques. The album even features uh, liner notes written by Mingus and his then uh, psychotherapist, Edmund Pollock. From Steve Huey at All Music, it's as much as an examination of his own tortured psyche as it is a conceptual piece about love and struggle. It veers between so many emotions that it defies easy encapsulation. For that matter, it can be difficult just to assimilate in the first place. Yet the work soon reveals itself as a masterpiece of rich, multi-layered, textured, and swirling tonal colors, manipulated with a painter's attention to detail. There are a few stylistic reference points. Ellington, the contemporary avant-garde, several flamenco guitar breaks, but the tonality is quite unlike what came before it. Mingus re- relies heavily on the timbral contrast between expressive vocal-like muted brass, a rumbling mass of low voices, and lyrical upper woodwinds. Within that framework, Mingus plays shifting rhythms, moaning dissonance, and multiple lines of one another in the most complex interlaced fashion he'd ever attempted. So after that complex (laughs) description, what did we think of The Black Saint and The Sinner Lady? Cool band name. I'm conflicted. (sighs) I'm conflicted. I want to like it. Tell me about it. There's parts of it that I do like. And then maybe I can warm up to it with uh, repeated listens. I've listened to it about four times at this point. But it just, it gets, it. there's parts of it that just pull too much apart for for me to be able to enjoy listening to it. 
like a little bit of a uh, of pushing and pulling with like the dissonance and uh like the the tempo and things everyone kind of there's just parts where like everyone just kind of goes off and does their own thing and it's dissonant and like i get it but i struggle with it you know and, and then it'll come back and it'll uh Whenever sometimes it'll come back and there'll be even just like a semblance of a cohesiveness or a melody line that you can hang your hat on, and then and then I'm kind of back in. I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually really interesting, and then it kind of like kind of just drifts apart again. And I don't know, uh, I, I the parts that I like, I I find them interesting enough that I want to keep giving the parts that I don't like another chance. Yeah, but as of this recording. The, like it's kind of like a thirty seventy. Like I like about thirty percent of it, and I dislike about seventy percent of it. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, you know, for most of this album, I spent it awash in a sea of what the fuck, and I was looking for islands of thing I could hang on to. Like, oh, the tuba, the tuba, <laughs> it, you know, it 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 bloops twice, and I can hang on to that, and it's just gonna bloop for a while, and I'm safe. But then, you know, it too went away, and then, you know, I found myself, you know enjoying some of the sort of whirlpools of cacophony when they came because I was just like, this is just fucking crazy. It, it uh, like around crazy. the four minute mark on track B, they just, they just go nuts. They just go fucking completely bonkers. And I you wrote know, on that part, I wrote, why though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that I think is my, the essence of my interaction with certain types of jazz. It's, it's like, okay, I'd like to like this, but I don't. <laughs> There's a lot of jazz where I say, I don't like this and I don't want to like this and I'm not going to like this. This album is different. This mm -hmm. album has things that are clearly trying to do interesting things that are not just for their own tweety noodly sake. I don't, I don't think so. But I feel like to really appreciate it, I would have to get really, really deep into it. Like, I would need to see the psychotherapist's liner notes. Yeah. I would need to... I, I, I don't know if there was a ballet. I know that it's written as if it were a ballet. But maybe if I could see the dancers, I'd, I'd get it more. You know, I need I need more things to help me tie down to the parts I don't understand. Mm -hmm. yeah, when, it, when it first opened, I really thought my speaker was blown. Because that tuba is panned hard right. <laughs> so every time it was like, oh, what is going on? And then I restarted it to just to make sure. And I was like, oh, no, I don't like how this like this album opens. No. I think I'm on the other page. I love it. <laughs> it's really, I love this kind of stuff. It's I mean, it's painterly. It's so challenging. I mean, it's a very challenging album. I get it. It's It's very hard. And I'm not saying that to be you know, mm -mm. counter or high-minded about it. It's that he brings in, uh, he brings in these like themes, these like ostinatos that are like repeating, uh, like you'd say a riff. Is that what an ostinato is? I don't know. Yes. Yes. Is. It's like a repeated rift. So you know, he brings like that, that in. One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's one that a lot of people can, can, can capture, you know, mm -hmm. and that's sort of, Everything has this sort of mood to it.
because of my love of sort of like noir movies, mm. it has that edge yeah, to it. You know that. what I mean? It's yeah. got that Duke Ellington. He, it's like Duke Ellington on mushrooms, <laughs> <laughs> where y- you got like these muted brass. And the way they're countered by the higher melodies and the way it kind of waves in um, is just um, interesting. So, so interesting. I also am a big fan of Bernard Herrmann, who's done a lot of Hitchcock um, movies like Psycho, Vertigo. And one of my favorite uh, soundtracks is Taxi Driver soundtrack, Mm. which this you know, has that sort of waves of uh, melodic waves, I guess is what I would say it as. And it gives you feelings of dread. It gives you feelings of desperation. And it's it's not the most, you know, I'd say pleasing album just to put on to listen to, but it really goes somewhere. We were talking about, you know, sometimes jazz just noodles or it kind of goes around and around and performers are just playing to kind of see what they can do i feel like this has a real purpose um in the songs and the way they're constructed yeah totally absolutely and with that muting on the brass i was really impressed like there are parts of this that that are interesting and are impressive like almost sound like someone singing right yeah it sounds like it's like (laughs) <laughs> or crying it's, or it's yeah it's it's pre-frampton <laughs> pre-frampton framptoning with, with a mute i mean yeah what it sounded like and I'm, I'm sure everybody hears it differently but it sounded like to me like almost like cab calloway scatting like heidi 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 ho it sounded like someone singing or someone saying those 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 verbal expressions when it's coming out of a i guess a muted trumpet i mean i don't i don't yeah, know what it is but i think it's... there was a muted trombone also yeah. like there's there's a lot of uh muted instruments um there are some things i do like about it like on um, track two i like the false ending that it kept on like it was like a cliffhanger like oh and then we're back right back into it and yeah. then they did it a couple times i thought that was really cool. are you saying when they they started to pick up tempo mm-hmm. and they... then like it kind of crashes out a little bit yeah. and then it like Someone's still carrying it. Yeah. And then it comes back and builds it again, which yeah. I think was kind of cool to like listen along with it. That was one of the bigger takeaways that I had. It's kind of like there is some uncertainty. What you think is going to end or you think should happen, it almost yeah. does the complete opposite. The way it builds, too, and then it, it builds and you're, and you're expecting, okay, well, they're just uh, they're just increasing in tempo and they're getting like, okay, they're just going to do this like uh, get out of control like everyone play as fast and crazy as you can but then at at the same time there interjects like new trumpets come in you know and new instruments come in while the while these players are playing uh playing at a fast tempo and it's it's amazing kind of how how that works because you hear different things so i don't know much about Charles Mingus, the person. Yeah. Uh, but we share his, the same name. But his psychoanalyst wrote the. Yeah, liner I, read, notes. I read them. Yeah. Is it like, does, does he have a, a history? Yeah, so Charles Mingus, uh, what you could say about him is he is, he was a, a large man, right? He mm-hmm. cared a lot about jazz, so much so that he would 
when he was performing sometimes if the audience was wasn't engaged he would yell at them he That's would kind of a douchey he move, would pun- <laughs> he would punch his uh you know a bandmate if uh they they were not taking it seriously so he was he was a force to be reckoned with it sounds like a really fun hang <laughs> <laughs> he was also called like a gentle like a teddy bear kind of a when he's not punching you in the yeah. face yeah. Yeah. I've or never known a teddy bear yeah. punching people I think he, no, those, are, those are called clothes. bears <laughs> <laughs> he's just a bear <laughs> he's like a teddy bear but alive and large <laughs> with so claws a bear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was so serious about the work you know what I mean he, he, he took it very seriously and he had been a lot of his uh, albums dealt with uh, social issues and um, growing up, you know, as a black man in America and all that comes with it. So, but at the same time, I mean, he was just sort of a force to be reckoned with. There was no compromise, you know. If a label didn't want to put out something, he would be like, well, I'll just figure it out. Like, I'll do it. I want, I want it my way. And that's that's going to be that. Hmm. So he he was definitely had an identity to be. Um, uh, also, he played bass. He was he was one of the people who brought bass to the forefront of a, of the band and was an exquisite player, amazing player. Um, I was a little slighted that we didn't include uh, Mingus Ah Um, which is his other. A great piece, it, but it was the same year as Dave Brubeck in mm. uh, Kind of Blue. So uh, I feel like that one and Ornette Coleman's Shape of Jazz to Come kind yeah. of fell by the wayside just because maybe they didn't want to put four jazz albums, you know, or more yeah. than a couple jazz albums. And this one definitely stands, uh, that one is more of a regular album. This one obviously is sort of a concept piece. And so I understand uh, they're picking something that's a little more stretching the jazz boundaries. the melody or the conclusion of this album which is the track four in the 18 minute you know final track um i love that it kind of jumped between almost different genres and i guess that's what he you know entitled it melody for but um my favorite part is kind of like that spanish flamenco guitar that Mm -hmm. comes in there and then you know it makes an appearance and then leaves yeah they do it in track c too so it's you know it's interesting to look at reviews of this album at the, you know at the time that they were written when this album came out, and someone's like, "Oh, there's Andalusian heat." <laughs> like, yeah. You mean Spanish guitar? Okay, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple Spanish guitar parts, and they're nice. It's a very you know. Don't get me wrong. This is this is kind of out there, but for the time, this is. I mean, he was pushing jazz into a place where it's the classical meets jazz meets ballet mm-hmm. you know like he 
he I really did hear something. The, the classical influence. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's pushing it in a certain direction that it's it's like that taking that basis of Duke Ellington and those old school jazz people and then putting it in that far you know far out uh, kind of expanse. Yeah. All right. It's it's interesting. <laughs> you right. I mean, I think also too. I I tend to like this kind of stuff that has the the sort of David Lynch, uh, Balamenti. Yeah. Bal- you know, like that's where that comes from. Is this now you know? that you mention it? I, I totally hear that. It, it, it's where y- you have these melodies, these themes, and they sound so different than what you're you're used to they're using traditional jazz instruments but then they're using them in s- such ways that it it kind of uh it redefines what what they're going for totally yeah and i think you know that's that's the part i struggle with especially here is with lynch or battlemente or whatever or or other uh, uh tv composers for some things they're using it to set a mood that goes with sometimes very direct visual action. And here, maybe they had visual action in mind, yeah. but I don't know what it is. And without yeah. the frame of reference, I'm lost. <laughs> yeah. That's sometimes the, the thing I get with jazz, though, is I, I just have... Uh, it helps me because it's, it's like reading a book sometimes because it, it allows me to visualize my own ideas mm-hmm. these these moods these sort of elements get stuck in your head and they they paint a certain picture and i think that's really what jazz is about it's sort of a sort of expression of different moods and how you can make people interpret things uh music in a di- different way but yeah i i mean i don't put I don't put this on, you know, every day, and you don't put this on every day. Re- revel in it to the way I would. Uh, like as you're getting ready for work. Yeah. <laughs> Singing along. <laughs> Brush my teeth to the tuba beats. Uh, but <laughs> you need those. You need the the people that are going to go out there and and stretch it. You do. You know? that's important. So, and I I I'm, I appreciate. Charles Mingus as a individual that is that is bringing something interesting to jazz. Got anything else you want to talk about? No, I just don't me think rambling. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is uh, this is one of those records that you know I, it it may grow on me. Uh, it's already I already like it more than my first listen earlier this week. Uh, but it also might just fall into the category of this wasn't recorded for me. Yeah. You know. All right. So as a whole, as a, would you recommend, should it be in the book? How do you feel? I think it, it's one of those. Yes. If we go off the book title, you must hear before you die. I think it's definitely a good jazz album. Did it make my personal list? Not a chance. I would say yes. Just for how, uh, revolutionary how and to get charles mingus in the book he has to be in there i mean he is is this his only one in the book yes i believe so okay his other one would have been uh mingus um all right well then yeah sure give him a slot (laughs) (laughs) i mean and that's just want to know your your personal you know well um i'm glad i i'm glad i heard it but uh i don't know if i'll revisit it okay you know 
Personally, it's not a no like Joan Baez. Right. It's not a hard no. no. But is it a thing that I would say must absolute keeper? I I just don't. My palate's not sophisticated enough. I'll come back and taste it when I'm older. I guess that's what jazz is. (laughs) You you don't need to say that, though. I mean, it's like, ah, spicy mustard. (laughs) I mean, maybe I'll learn to like it. Okay, okay. That's what I mean. I'm not saying I'm I'm dumb, which I am. But... (laughs) And there are parts of it that I like, and it's just maybe, you know, like Ben said, maybe it's not for me. You know, it wasn't recorded for me. But I think that with the right appreciation, you could say this is why it needs to be here. And you're right. There are acknowledged jazz greats, Mingus, Monk, you know. And so, yes, they have to be here. Yeah. Uh, but do I know if this is the one? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know enough. I also, I, I, yeah, I, I don't feel like I have enough perspective to say which jazz albums belong in the book and which don't like i I feel like i have that kind of perspective for for other genres uh so yeah uh i can't give it a hard no i also can't give it a hard yes i I think i would need to revisit it later all right next episode we'll be talking about james brown live at the apollo get it yeah (laughs) thanks guys (laughs) 